0: A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's Lima dot Life, L Y M A dot Life. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: I always tell people, I'm like, I am literally just a fat guy that ate a bunch of apples. <laughs> Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Allison Melody and Susie Hardy.
0: Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing
1: yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately.
0: All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today's guest is Tim Kaufman. At 400 pounds, Tim was on blood pressure and cholesterol prescription drugs, and was also self-medicating. The excess weight was too much for his joints, and his chronic health issues made everyday activities like walking outside almost impossible. Diet after diet made no difference. Tim had lost all interest in life and had almost given up. But when he was refused a gastric sleeve, which is like gastric weight loss surgery, Tim knew he had to do something to turn his life around. He wanted to be there for his wife and his family. Tim started making just
2: one small change every day. He began walking and switching his diet. You know what they say about small changes, they soon add up. I do, Susie, I do. Do you? Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. After completely transforming his daily routine, today Tim has climbed mountains, cycled hundreds of miles, and even run a marathon. He leads a happy, healthy, and productive and active life, and is completely free of all the medications he was once on. He is passionate about spreading the message that anyone can transform to a plant-based diet and dramatically change their life, whatever their current situation is.
0: I mean, now that we've heard his story, Susie, it's like those words couldn't be truer. Anyone can do this. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do this. The body will heal itself if given the tools that it needs to. And I think that's like the most important part about the interview for me that I really took home with. Um so we loved him. We loved his interview. Uh, before we get to that, LA Food Heals Nation family, please join us this Saturday for a love brunch in downtown LA with vegan chef Nicole Marie Dursuit. Use the coupon code FOODHEALS to get 20% off a ticket for this five-course meal plus lattes and cocktails. Lattes and
2: cocktails. Let's explore (laughs) the flavors of love with this five-course tasting menu. Nicole has spiced up some brunch favorites by adding in aphrodisiacs, And secret love potions. I love it. This flirty meal is sure to stir up those butterflies and something else and make you feel all warm inside. (laughs) And
0: something else. So what is on the menu, Suze? How about a sex cafe au lait? Ooh, that sounds good. Or a passion bellini. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's after Valentine's Day, but these are all love recipes. Well, we can
2: carry through that passion of Valentine's Day throughout the month of February at least, right? Okay, true. So you can have a sex cafe au lait. With maca, cacao, cinnamon, and coconut cream.
0: Oh my god, my mouth is watering. Look at the stud muffin, a spice muffin studded with chocolate kisses and warm wishes. I love
2: it. Or who's my puddin? Chia seed pudding parfait with fresh market fruit and secret love potion puree.
0: Oh my god, she has a way with words. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a good writer. Then she's got Kiss My Avocado Hearts of Palm Ceviche Stuffed Avocado. I would eat the heck out of that. And finally, the Entree Cupid's Quiche
2: Fluffy Vegan Market Vegetable Quiche with Savory Crust Served yeah. with Rocket Arugula Salad.
0: That's lovely. So come on out. We'll be in downtown LA. The link is in our Facebook group at foodhealsgroup.com. Use our coupon code FOODHEALS. Please use a capital F in food heals, that's not normally what you have to do but i tested it earlier and if you don't have a capital f it says invalid coupon code so check that out we hope to see you there la peeps if you're not in la we promise we'll do more events that you can come to online virtually next
2: up our interview with tim kaufman
1: the food Heals podcast starts now
0: Today, we're here with an inspirational, transformational guest, Tim Kaufman. He uses his blog, Fat Man Rants, to connect with other people who are ready to change their life and get healthy. Welcome, Welcome,
1: Tim. Oh, jinx.
0: (laughs) Jinx. Welcome, Tim.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me, Allison and Susie. It's a real honor to be here.
0: Yeah, we're so glad to have you. Um, We know that your story is quite transformational. So can you kind of start at the beginning and tell us, you know, what health conditions you were struggling with?
1: Basically, I had uh, like a normal, you know, teenage years and I kind of grew up on a farm. So I did a lot of manual labor. Um, As I got older, like into my late teens, um, I was always like twisting my ankles and stuff. So we thought I was just like clumsy or accident prone or whatever. Mm -hmm. What we found out is as time went on and I got into my early 20s, I got into like factory work and, you know, working a lot over my head and stuff. And my joints were getting so loose that actually when I would sneeze, my shoulder would pop right out of me. I would dislocate.
2: Oh, my God.
1: You know, the older I got, the more injuries I had, you know, the more loose my joints became. And I was like everything like kind of if I would pull on a wrench, my wrist would actually like separate off my arm. So I started going to the doctor and really we were focused on my shoulder because I could hardly work anymore. They went in there to fix it. They did something called an arthroplasty Mm -hmm. and basically they cut behind my shoulder and then they pull up all the tendons and ligaments out and then they, they fold them on top of each other and then stitch them back up to kind of tighten, you know, if you can imagine strings, they kind of fold them over each other and then tie them together to tighten everything up. Yeah. You know, it was, a, it was a pretty intense surgery, and, you know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, in a sling for a while. The doctor kind of knew when he got in there. He said something wasn't right because everything was, like, too stretchy. So Yeah,
2: I have to interrupt you, Tim. I've never heard of this before. I mean, I, not that I know everything about bodies, but, like, this is – I've never heard of this before where all of – or most of the tendons and the ligaments in your body are just stretched, stretchy.
1: It's the collagen, Um, it's collagen that glue, you know, scar tissue, um, it's responsible for a lot of things, but, um, actually I'm pretty fortunate because a lot of people have it, um, where they have organ damage and blood vessels. And really the only thing I have is the hypermobile. So it's called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. There's a bunch of different Mm -hmm. types and a bunch of different, you know, levels of it. But when I went for physical therapy, Um, no one would work on me because I would just like start to move my arm and my shoulder would pop right out of my back again, like even after surgery. And they were telling me how tight it was going to be and it'd be hard to move, but it really wasn't. So at the same time, my sister in Connecticut was going through some of the, she she had some of the same symptoms um, and they have Yale up there. So she went to get some genetic testing done. And that's when, you know, we found out we had this LR stanlos thing. So you know, I was in my early 20s. And actually, when I went for the diagnosis, the doctor got out disability papers. And I got married super young to my high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're in our early 20s. We just bought a house. I had a really good job in the UAW. And here this guy's giving me disability papers. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. So the doctor's thing was you have to get out of the factory. You can't do manual labor because it's just going to get worse and worse. Mm. Um, So I went back to school to become a teacher, which took forever because I was actually a high school dropout. And so that's what I do now. I'm a teacher. But the, the goal was to not use my body for leverage, get a more sedentary job. And then at the same time in my early 20s, after the surgery, I mean, I was in a lot of pain. So I started getting, you know, Lord Tabs and codeine and and started with stuff like that. And then obviously, you know, you build up a tolerance. So every time I went back to the doctor, they seemed to up them and, you know, I would ask for it. Mm-hmm. And the more tolerance I built, the heavier the dosage. And yeah. that just became a part of life. And then the inflammation, because every time it hurt something, you know, the joint would get inflamed and. And then I got into, you know, a job where I wasn't moving around as much and I started eating worse. You know, then we had kids and things got really busy. So, you know, the more busy we got, the less I did, then the weight started coming on. And then what happened is as I'm building up this tolerance for like normal, I call them normal painkillers. But I would go into the doctor and sometimes my blood pressure was like 255 over 115. Oh, my God. And I was actually on three different medicines for that. It was out of control, even on the max dose of, like, calcium channel blockers, beta blockers. And there was one out the one I forgot. But, again, I, I kept telling them while I'm in pain. So then I ended up on fentanyl. And fentanyl is stronger than morphine. Mm. And it was actually instead of a pill, it was a patch. So basically I had a constant supply of fentanyl in my body. Wow. So there's no ups and downs and no withdrawals. You just, it's there. Mm-hmm. But same deal, build up tolerance, and then the dosage keeps getting up.
0: So they're all unsustainable solutions.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think that's like, that's a given. I look back now, and sometimes I wonder if I would have asked the question when when he would get out medicine, I would love to go back and say, well, how long am I on this for? Yeah. I just would love to see his face. Um <laughs> Because I don't think they don't think about that. You know, what, how long are you on blood pressure medicine for? That's it. you got the rest of your life, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I never thought about that. So I, I just did what I was supposed to do.
2: Well, I always find, I, I'm going to interject again, Tim. I, I always find it so interesting when you see these commercials for like cholesterol meds or, or um, blood pressure medication, they always say when diet and exercise don't work. Turn to this. And
0: and when do diet and exercise not when, work, When you're really
2: doing it. Let's be honest. When yeah. you're really doing it, because I'm in the process of trying to lose a little bit of Christmas weight, right? And I started exercising. And I'm older now, so it doesn't come off as fast as it used to. But when I change my diet and I, ex- I actually exercise, my body changes. Of course. Over time. And so I just find that so interesting that, you know, it's just it's such a different perspective. When diet and exercise don't work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could
1: even take that a step further because, you know, the bigger picture is what you don't see inside your body. Right. Um, and so my cholesterol, I'm kind of fast forward a little bit, but my cholesterol danced always 300. I was always hoping it was a little bit under 300. And now like 117, I would love to see a pill that can do that.
0: Right. There isn't a pill.
1: <laughs> no. And what happened along with the weight, I mean, I kept getting bigger and bigger but at the same time all that extra weight on my joints was just compounding the problem
0: and what was your diet like at this time
1: honestly it's kind of embarrassing but (laughs)
0: that's um, okay that's why we're here
1: (laughs) so we would eat i live in buffalo Mm -hmm. so buffalo wings are like the thing you know Mm -hmm. and so we would get pizza and wing special most of the time about four nights a week um and the fast food was really, I mean, I was straight up addicted to it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have told you that at the time. I would leave for work, and I would get two sausage egg and cheese biscuits with hash browns and then a giant Diet Coke like, every single morning. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. for lunch, I would go to a taco place, and they have these half-pound tacos that are just, there's grease like yellow. It used to actually stain my forearms. Oh, br-
0: my God.
1: I'm not even kidding. <laughs> And then I would get like the jalapeno poppers, deep fried. I'd get a couple orders of them. And then on the way home, I would stop at Burger King and get like two double cheeseburgers to get home to go eat pizza and wings. And that wasn't like a once in a while thing. That was like every single day. Even on the weekends, I would catch myself sneaking out in the morning to go get breakfast at a fast food place.
0: Yeah. And the sad thing is, is that your story isn't unique. You know, thousands of people across America do that as their typical standard American diet, because it's cheap, it's convenient, it's easy, tastes and it's good. good.
1: Right. So, you know, the heavier I got, the food just got worse and worse. And then obviously over fifteen years of controlled substance, I was I was pretty addicted. I guess I didn't really realize how addicted I was. But I was starting to do some stuff that I shouldn't have done, like trying to you know, get scripts early and, you know, quote unquote losing them and mm, mm-hmm. shopping for doctors Doctor and stuff
0: shopping, yep,
1: friends that had wisdom teeth pulled. and you know, some of the stuff i'm I'm pretty embarrassed about, but it still wasn't enough. And what, you know, looking back, I don't think uh, my problem was really the physical pain as much as I was just wanting to escape. Mm. You know, i've told I've told people before. It's like there were nights I went to bed that I didn't know if I'd wake up in the morning. I don't know if I really cared. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't say I was suicidal. I have a wife that loves me. I have two young kids at the time. Um, I had a really good job. I mean, I I wouldn't say that, you know, I was going to be suicidal, but I knew like I was really sick and I don't really think I cared if I woke up, you know, in the morning. It was it was tough physically, but it was, you know, tougher emotionally
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, I don't really talk about this too much, but then I, I started getting into the alcohol and stuff, and that just that got way out of control, mm. um, like super out of control. A lot there were a lot of nights where I would get up to go to the bathroom, and my kidneys were just like shut down. I couldn't I couldn't get it. I had to go so bad, and nothing would come out.
0: Oh God.
1: So, yeah, I was I was in rough shape.
0: And was all the emotional uh, distress caused because? of the physical or was there something deeper going on was there some unresolved issues that you needed to deal with in order to heal
1: I think it's all kind of intertwined um um like I say I got I got married super young and is like my best friend she's always I mean since we were 14 years old she's been. and so we had my son like we were 21 years old so we had, you know, a rough go, like financially and, you know, things that young kids you would expect. Um, but I was always a big, tough working guy. You know, the stuff that would bother me more than anything is like she's got two kids she's taken care of and she's outside mowing the lawn. And I'm sitting in a chair with ice around my knees watching TV. hmm. And it was hard, you know, it, that that aspect of it was harder than any of the physical stuff, you know. And and, she, you know, she genuinely cared. And I think, you know, some of my stuff, I had legit excuse to be on the couch. Um, but it still I mean, a, as a guy, I mean, that, that broke my heart.
2: Yeah. Pride being a provider and caring for your your wife and your family.
1: And And same with the kids. I mean, they'd go to take a walk. And I would be sitting on the couch while she would, you know, load up two strollers and try to juggle kids to take them to the park. And I just I couldn't go.
0: Well, this is all really, really interesting knowing now because I know what you look like now. Um, So you were at this point where you didn't care if you woke up in the morning and you didn't necessarily want to. How on earth did you transform this?
1: Um, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why you on the podcast, I ex- Sam? You got to tell us your secret. I was
2: not expecting that. I was expecting <laughs> it was a breaking point and I hit the... <laughs> well, there, I mean,
1: there kind of was. All of a sudden, um, we get a phone call and my wife's mom, we were very close, like family-wise. She was sick. Like, I mean, she just wasn't getting better. And she was to the point where, like, she couldn't even get out of a chair. So we kind of went over there and I said, listen, either you're going to the emergency room or I'm going to pick the chair with you up in it and we're going to get you there somehow. We're going to, you know, we'll call 911 or whatever. Um, So she goes in and the next day we find out that she has leukemia. And it was it was terrible because she like she was everything to my wife. Here we get, you know, tossed into this cancer thing that we knew nothing about
0: right
1: life turned into instead of getting to the couch it was who's gonna watch the kids while i'm up at the hospital so i got first-hand tour almost nightly of being in a cancer hospital she was super super sick and they didn't have any beds for and the space was kind of limited so at any rate she ended up in the pediatric wing And I can remember sitting up there, watching these little kids running around, and they had masks on, and they were so sick. And I would leave at night and just walk away from that, and I would just think to myself, I get to go home, and they don't. Yeah. One of the big things that just crushed me was um, her mom, towards the end, she was just, like, hanging on to just, like, her job was to try to live through the night. Yeah. You know, every day it was like, is she going to make it? And I remember walking in to visit her and she opened her eyes real slow and she goes, how's your knee? And it just like it just crushed me, you know, like, you know, she's hanging on for life and she's worried about, you know, my sore knee. So 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 I started seeing things through a little bit different light. So at the same time we're dealing with her, we get a phone call from my mom my father, he got diagnosed with kidney cancer. So we're trying now we're trying to juggle two terminal parents. They told him he would make it six months. He had a terrible six weeks, and he passed away six oh. weeks after his diagnosis. I'm
0: so sorry to hear that.
1: You know, it was a wake-up call, to say the least. I sat at my dad's funeral, and I, I can remember thinking, I'm like, I'm the next one. Like, I'm I'm next. And af- after my father passed away, then her mom passed away as well. Um, and I can remember Heather used to put my socks and shoes on in the morning before I went to work because I couldn't get my socks or shoes on. Mm-hmm. And I could just see the pain in her eyes. And I, I think, you know, we both kind of – we didn't talk about it, but we both kind of knew I was next.
0: Right.
1: Um, so I figured – I have to do something because she's got two kids and if she's putting my socks and shoes on now and I'm over 400 pounds, what's life going to look like next year? I guess if I wasn't dead, I mean, our life would sure look different.
0: And how old were you at this point?
1: Um, That was probably like my maybe mid to upper 30s. So you're Um,
0: still in the prime of your life while this is happening.
1: Right, right. And um, so I knew I had to do something. So I was on the internet and I found uh, bariatric surgery. And I showed my wife, I'm like, you got to see this. This guy was, he was 400 pounds like me. Um, He had the surgery a year later, the dude's running a marathon.
0: And bariatric surgery, can you just describe a little bit about what that is for our listeners?
1: Well, there's three different ways you can go. Um, The sleeve, like basically they just put your stomach in a tube. Mm-hmm. and so it can't expand and it just
0: prevents you from eating a lot
1: yeah this is mm-hmm. really I wrote about it one time and I'm like yeah it's kind of like putting a muzzle on your stomach because no matter mm-hmm. how much you eat you just can't fit anymore in there mm-hmm. so anyway I went I went to the doctor I had this perfectly and I thought I got this great idea I'm going to take Heather with me and then when the doctor's all for this of course he's going to want me to lose weight
0: right and usually doctors are all About prescribing surgery, right? So you're thinking this is going to go my way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, who would deny, you know, I'm a fat guy and I don't want to be fat anymore. Who would deny that? Mm -hmm. Um, So I had, I went to the classes. um, I had everything done. I had everything. We had the day. It was actually almost our anniversary day. And all I had to do was go have my primary sign off on. this is the same guy that was the prescriptions and everything. I lay this all out to my doctor, and he's he looked at it and he goes, "I have signed off on every single one of these surgeries," and he goes, "I'll probably sign off on everyone after you," but he goes, "Tim, you are the only person that I will ever say no to." Wow. And I
2: was, Why? <laughs> I
1: was I was so devastated. What he said was, "Well, first of all, on all the painkillers, he was worried about the anesthesia," oh. um, and I had been warned of that. Like if something ever happened. Um, I got hurt. Like, had to go in the ambulance or something to tell them how much medicine I was on because what they would give a normal person would be like a joke for me. Um, right, and your I, body I, could but, go
2: into shock if it doesn't have what it's used to.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and it's you know, and then if you're trying to give extra, he uh, he was worried that I would have trouble with the anesthesia, and then also he was worried with a rapid weight weight loss, um, since my my ligaments and tendons aren't holding my bones together. um, My muscle was. And what his thing was, if I had rapid weight loss, then I would lose what muscle I had. And he goes, you'll never get up again. He Mm. said, you will sit down in a chair and never get up again.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Um, So obviously I was pretty devastated when I came home.
0: Yeah, because you're thinking this is my solution.
1: Yeah. Like I sat down and I'm like, I'm done. I'm finished. Um, But you know, after watching two of your favorite people in the whole world like fight for their life, and I question myself. I'm like, "Am I am I really fighting?" I set some goals, and I said, "I gotta, I have to lose weight." A little side thing here: um, my entire life was meat. I mean, I, sausage, bacon, you know, all like all that stuff.
2: Did you ever eat fruits or vegetables?
1: As few as possible, you know, <laughs> that would take up space for bacon. You know, right. literally, that's how I thought. And right.
2: is that how you're, you were raised in
0: terms of food?
1: Um, Yeah. You know, my dad grew up on a farm and, and he was a hunter as well. And, and that's just how we were brought up.
0: And so what made you make the change to the plant-based lifestyle?
1: So what I did, I did what every other person in America, I think, does. You know, you go on a diet. So what I did, along with that whole meat processing thing we started cutting the red meats out and like I would trade it for like turkeys. When turkeys went on sale, I would make a bunch of burgers out of them. Um, and then instead of like cheddar cheese, I would do like a lower fat like mozzarella or something. Mm-hmm. I started logging my food, which was really weird. I started keeping a journal, which was even more weird because mm-hmm. I'm just not a journaly kind of guy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Most guys aren't.
0: No. <laughs> You're not alone there, Tim.
2: <laughs> the Dear Diary meme, right? Like that we all have is usually a little girl yeah. or a young girl.
1: Yeah.
2: Not a guy. <laughs>
1: so I started writing stuff down, writing what I was eating. And I lost weight like – at 400 any changes you make you're gonna see results like um but i still felt like crap so as time went on i was getting lighter so i was feeling better just from the weight being off me and i and then one day i'm sitting on the couch and i'm flipping through netflix and i saw fat sick and nearly dead come up
0: Mm -hmm. one of our favorites
1: yeah i'll watch that so, well, you know the story. Joe Cross comes to the U.S. You know, he does a 60-day fast. He loses, like, 60 pounds, gets rid of a bunch of diseases that he had and sicknesses. Um, super inspiring. And I, I was, you know, Phil the truck driver. Super.
0: Yeah. Phil is like, Joe's story is great, but Phil's is like, all right, anyone can do this now. You know, if Phil the yeah. truck driver can do it, anyone can do it.
1: Yeah. And I really, like, I really related with a lot of what he said. So before the credits rolled, I ordered a juicer from Amazon.
0: That's amazing. Whoa. You Have you told Joe Cross yeah. this? you got to tell him. Before the credits yeah, rolled.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a super busy guy.
0: <laughs> that um, is true. <laughs> yeah,
1: super busy guy. Um, it just happened that January 1st was coming around the corner, and I got this juicer. I no clue what I was doing. And I'll never forget this. This is so terrible. Like, I wish I could go back and change this day, but... So the last piece of meat that I ate was at eleven fifty nine, and it was over four years ago, Mm -hmm. and it was two pieces of pickled herring, and that stuff is so nasty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that is. It's a tradition like for Uh New Year's.
1: It's raw fish, and it's terrible. (laughs) Um, And that was the last piece of meat that I ate. But I went into this juice fast on the first. I go to the the grocery store and I get like a clump of, you know, because I wanted to do the mean green thing. And I bring all this stuff back, which I thought was a lot of stuff. I put it in the juicer and there's like a quarter cup of juice. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, "Yeah."
0: yeah. (laughs) it takes a lot of fruits and veggies to make that juice.
1: (laughs) If anything, what that movie did is it started showing me how to shop. And we had never shopped. If we shopped, it was like to pick up pizza rolls. So, you know, we started shopping, and I started hanging out in the produce, and it was cool because I would get, like, excited. I'm like, oh, kale's on sale. Get two bunches, you know? (laughs) And so it was a little rocky start. Day three, I wanted to die, and day four, I wanted to die even more.
0: I bet. Yep. Uh, It's hard enough when you're not 400 pounds or, you know, 350 or wherever you had gotten to, so I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah, and everything was disgusting. And, you know... (laughs) So I would just put more apples, whatever. You know, and I did stupid stuff. Like I heard uh, cilantro is really good for you. So, of course, I couldn't put a couple, you know, I just put the whole bunch in there with an apple.
2: (laughs) No. to this
1: day, I can't (laughs) even get near the stuff. Oh, yeah.
2: It's potent.
1: After kind of the fifth day, I kind of settled into it. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. The first thing I noticed, like by the end of the first week, I slept through the night. And mm. that sounds so stupid, but oh. like I hadn't slept through a night in years. Like years and years and years. And I didn't know what that felt like anymore, you know?
2: Yeah. You wouldn't think it makes such a big difference if you have to get up and use the bathroom or get up and get water, but it does.
0: Or if you're just uncomfortable yeah. and you cannot tossing
2: stay and turning, yeah.
1: Well, I would like I would stop breathing and Heather would have to shake me, you know, she'd think I was dying and how you know, stressful I
0: put, for her, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I started feeling better and better. I started noticing, you know, inflammation more than weight. I mean, I lost a ton of weight. I was losing, you know, over a pound a day for a while. That's Um,
0: amazing. How long did you juice fast?
1: Well, my goal was 30 days. So about day 20, I mean, I had 25 pounds off by day 20 um, and I felt fantastic. Like, I felt great. Then something happened that I never thought in a million years would happen. I actually wanted to go do stuff. Like, I didn't want to sit. I got bored. I got bored on the couch. At the same time, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting closer to the end of the 30 days. And I kind of know this is not sustainable. Like, this this is just, first of all, our whole house is filling up with pulp. And it's just. <laughs>
2: you could make books. <laughs> 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 Press them into vegetable pages.
1: Well, since then, I have a huge garden with a 40-foot greenhouse, and now we we compost like machines. I was going to say,
2: you must have a crazy compost pile.
1: Yeah, but I knew it wasn't sustainable. And then be- because, like Netflix, because you watched Joe Cross's movie, well, Forks Over Knives came up. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Forks Over Knives did not just save my life. It gave me an entirely new life.
0: It's a powerful film. I get yeah. chills when I hear you talk say that.
1: Amazing, amazing film. So I watched that, and... This was the first time I've ever done this, but when the credits rolled on that, I did not buy another juicer. But <laughs> I went back to the beginning and I watched the whole thing over and I'm like, this if this is real, then somebody should go to jail. Literally like, right? you know, somebody's lying.
0: Mm-hmm. Um A lot of people are lying. A lot of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, but, I remember, you know, that's your like wake-up moment, your wake-up call. I remember having mine and it was from a book and it was just a few years before Fat, Sick, Nearly Dead, and uh, Forks Over Knives. And those were just like, those were the proof is in the pudding. But I got my wake up calls from books and I was like, why aren't people in jail? How is this allowed to go on? I was shocked at the lies, the massive amounts of lies that we have been told over and over and over. And it made me sick.
1: Yeah, it's criminal. It really is.
0: Yeah. But at least it inspired us all to change. So then what happened? So were you still on
2: your medications now? Were you
0: still on your pain meds?
1: oh During... sure, for yeah. sure for sure sure okay. yeah lots of them <laughs> um, it
0: takes a lot of time to come off of those i'm sure you
1: know that's why you know usually i see this at the beginning of an interview but i always tell people i'm like i am literally just a fat guy that ate a bunch of apples <laughs> um, but it's the truth you know this there's no magic like this, this i'm just a normal dude so yeah so i screwed a lot up you know um But then so coming off the fast after watching Forks overnight, I'm like, all right, I'm not dead. I made it 30 days with no meat, no dairy, no processed food, no sugar, no Diet Pepsi, which was like huge for me. I used to drink four liters of Diet Pepsi every day.
0: Yeah, people are addicted to that stuff.
1: Yeah, but it's zero calories, so it doesn't count, right? Uh,
0: right. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it
2: really does. It actually is worse, but that's my opinion. Yeah, I know. You We're know. not going there because oh, I don't
1: yeah. about that stuff. Yeah. Um that's the, the best neurotoxin you can get, but that's a whole yeah. other thing. Yeah. Um yeah. so I figured, well, I made it this far. What if I just try to eat what I'm putting in the juicer? I honestly didn't even know there was a thing called plant-based. Like I had no clue. I was on an island again, going back to that, you know, journal, we won't call it a diary, please, but <laughs> journal. at the top of it, it says, this is the first day of the rest of your life. And then I would give myself a job to do. And this sounds so crazy, but my first job was to get out of my chair twice in my office. That sounds like nuts, but I knew if I could get out of that chair once that I could do it twice. So people probably thought I was crazy, but I would get up out of my chair and sit down and I'd get up again. (laughs) That's a squat.
0: But I love that. It's setting intentions, you know, writing that in a journal. This is my job that I'm going to do today. And Susie and I always talk about the power of an intention. And so you're just making it happen with your mind and putting the pen to paper and then it it happens.
1: Yeah. And then the cool thing is I would come home the next night to write what I was going to do the next day and I could check myself off. You know, Mm -hmm. did, did I do it? Did I not do it? So it was kind of an accountability thing, too. So then I started doing like, okay, go up the stairs, come back down and go back up. And then one day my wife said to me, she goes, do you want to go for a walk? And of course, I responded, why? What's wrong with the car? Um, Why would you walk? (laughs) There's a perfectly good vehicle in the driveway. Yeah. So my goal was to walk to the first crossroad and back, which would have been about a mile and a half. Um, I made it about three quarters of a mile. Um, It was hell. It took almost an hour. And I just like conked out. I sat on a bench and the kids and her walked back to get the car and drove around the trail to pick me up. And I was out of commission for a couple of days. Ice all over the place. I mean, I was in rough shape. But for some reason, you know, I wanted to go back and try it again and see if I could go farther. So, you know, I started walking on that trail and I would just go a little bit farther than I had done the day before. And, you know, that three quarters of a mile turned into a couple miles. And then me and Heather would walk, you know, sometimes four-mile walks after work. It started getting easier. And, you know, with the anti-inflammatory diet, the swelling started going down. Pain started, you know, subsiding somewhat. And then about the same time, I had my cousin had just got back from the Adirondack Mountains, and he climbed a mountain. And I can remember telling him, I'm like, dude, I want to climb a mountain. And, you know, here I'm just trying to get out of a chair and I'm telling him I'm going to go climb a mountain. But I set a goal to climb that mountain in a year um, and I use stairs to, like, train on. I would count stairs and then every day I'd try to do more stairs and then we started hiking and kind of fast forward, it snowballed. And in June 2012, I summited Big Slide Mountain.
2: Wow, that's this is, incredible. This is reminding me of that movie Eddie the Eagle. Did you guys see that?
0: Uh-uh.
1: No.
2: No. Oh my God. Okay. You guys have to see Eddie the Eagle. (laughs) It's Hugh Jackman and and Unknown. It's a true story. I
0: remember the trailer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's the poster is like this. It's I think it took place in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, I think. And he's the guy's on like a VW bus and he's like got his arms back like an eagle. And he's kind of it's this true story. It's based on a true story of this um, young guy from Britain. And he wanted to be he wanted to be in the Olympics. He didn't even have a sport. Like, he was like, I'm going to be in the Olympics. And decided on skiing. And so he made it all the way to the possibility of being on the British ski team. And then they cut him. Because he was not, he was always told he wasn't very athletic. He had bad knees. He had bad vision. He just wasn't an athlete, a naturally, uh, naturally an athlete. So they cut him from that. And then he decides that he's going to be a ski jumper. But Britain didn't even have... A ski jumping team, let alone <laughs> a program, let alone even the option to even go. You guys have to see it, listeners. Wait, you have I'm gonna write it
1: down. What's it called?
2: Eddie the Eagle. It is talk about setting an intention, defying all possible all odds, odds uh-huh. when everyone's telling you, no, no way, that's never gonna happen. You, there's not, there's no possibility ever, ever, ever. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. It is a really lovely movie, and I just stumbled upon it because it's not something I sought out. I've seen and, the trailer. Yeah, it looks really it's, good. And it's it's a really it's a really cute movie. Great for kids.
1: That's cool. Yeah, that that's yeah. what this is
2: reminding me of. Like setting oh, the intention. You can even get out of a chair, but you're like, but I but you set that huge that much much bigger goal. I'm gonna do that. Yeah. And that gave you the determination to see. Oh, the chair is nothing. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out and then move on.
1: Yeah, and you know one of the other things that happened. Um, because I was in the immobilizer, so it wouldn't allow my legs to bend. Um, I called my doctor and I'm like, I need a brace that will bend. I went, they gave me the name of this company. They casted my leg um, and they made me this custom, brace. it was super expensive. But they made me this like carbon fiber, titanium brace. It was super high tech. The brace is sitting right next to me because I did a live talk the other day where I got it out and it's all beat up from the rock faces, but I got the brace made and it went up that mountain and unfortunately that was the last mountain it went up because the next 10 or so I did I didn't need it. I was strong enough. So
2: Good for you.
1: And then the cool thing is I came home. I liked the mountain so much. I brought my family back and we actually did a couple high peaks together. So
2: So is your family did your family join you on any of the juicing, the juice fasting? Did they change their diet too?
1: No, but what happened? So I started cooking and like they were still getting pizza and wings. But then I would have my like home fries, no oil, home fries out of the oven. And every time I turn my head, they'd be stealing my food. <laughs> uh, so little by little, you know, my wife went plant based and she lost like 60 pounds. Wow. Um, so what happened is the more I did, the more I wanted to do, the cleaner I ate, the better I felt. I think it all kind of worked together together. Um, As far as the drugs, um, what I did is, and I do not suggest this to any of your listeners, don't do this, but I got off the fentanyl myself and I definitely should have went to a clinic for it. Yeah. But how I did it is when I put a patch on every three days, I would measure just like an eighth of an inch, I would take a slice off the patch and I would just wear the remainder of it. And then every three days I would take another eighth inch off and it took forever Until one day, I went to put the patch on, and I was using actually the eighth-inch part. I was able to get off the fentanyl, and to this day, I don't know, three, four years later, um, I still have the box. And the first thing I look at in the morning was them, and I'm like, you know, that was my battle every day. And I'd face it and fight it, and, you know, I knew that to this day, I still fight the same addiction battles, whether it's food or anything else. So that's kind of how I got off the medicine end of it, yeah. And then all my numbers started getting better, and um, I got a bicycle, and I wanted to do a hundred mile bike ride, um, and I hadn't been on a bike, you know, in twenty years, so I did you signed miss up, it? Did you uh, miss
2: d- bike riding?
1: Absolutely. Not. No,
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> because I took a I took a long time um, of not bike riding. And then when I got back on a bike, I was like, I felt like a kid again. OK, so maybe yeah. not.
1: <laughs> no, well, that's now it. I mean, now I feel like a kid, you know, and now I feel like a kid on a bike. But later on, um, I saw this. I'm like, people actually ride 100 miles in a few hours. I am mean, like, that's crazy. Um, so I signed up for one. Uh, my sister has multiple sclerosis, so it's a good cause. I signed up for one. And I'm like, I don't have a bike. So I got my bike delivered eight weeks before the 100 miler. And uh, we finished it, you know, me and my wife's sister did that my wife's not really into the bike thing. But yeah, so I did a 100 miler and eight weeks never been on a bike. So that was cool.
0: That's amazing, by the way.
1: Yeah, it was it was fun. It's a blast. And the Buffalo full marathon was coming up. And I'm like, I'm going to take a stab at a full marathon. I'm not supposed to be walking, you know, like (laughs) I'm going to try a full marathon. And somehow the news got a hold of it. I guess one of the editors reads my blog, called me like in the middle of the night. They ran this huge story. It was like a front page story. It was a super, super cool article, like unbelievable hearing my story back in the newspaper yeah and so it was a total disaster there were all these camera people there and it was like 86 that day and it took me forever at mile 18 my whole body like started swelling up from Mm -hmm. the heat and stuff and um heather finished from mile 18 with me to 26 so it was kind of cool
0: that's amazing.
1: Wow! Yeah, that's what everyone was. on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's what we was, do.
2: We're girls. That's what we do. <laughs> we just,
1: we've been doing all these crazy things. We're going to go run the race in Leadville in a couple months here. Um, I'm training for Iron Man. Wow. Um, wow.
0: That's so cool.
1: The so coolest just... thing of all this stuff. This is the coolest thing ever. But yeah, so we do some cool things. We do a lot of adventures. Our marriage, you know, we didn't have a bad marriage before, but... It's definitely more exciting and adventurous. I
2: bet. I can imagine. So you help other people now, too.
1: I do. I love doing I love that more than my own story. But yeah.
0: And I have a question. So when you you did the juice, the juice fast and then you went plant based. And what made you not go back? Why did you stick to the vegan diet? What were were the reasons?
1: Like, honestly, like this is going to be a terrible answer, but I'd rather die than go back. Um,
0: that's a wonderful answer. I mean, it's honest. honest, Yeah.
1: Because I think when you, you know how when you have something wrong with your car, but it's not really wrong and then you get it fixed and it's like, holy crap, that was terrible. I think that's how I was. I didn't realize how I was supposed to feel. Once I started eating healthy and getting rid of all the meds and, you know, all the escapes that I had and really experience life. I think I realized how bad how bad I really was. Like how terrible it really felt to get up in the morning. I can't sleep till five. Like four fifty I jump out of bed. Like I, I feel like a kid at Christmas every single morning. I can't wait to get out of bed.
0: Damn, I don't even feel that no, way. No, I don't feel that way either. <laughs> we need to take some lessons from you, Tim.
1: Yeah, I'm like I'm like out of the house by five every morning.
2: Now, Tim d- um before you did the the juice fast, did your doctors ever mention diet? I know I'm sure they mentioned losing weight, but did they mention specifically Diet. Change your diet.
1: No. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Truthfully, like some that used to get me mad, but I wouldn't have listened to it anyways. I think one time my doctor said, Stop eating cheese.
0: And you know what? That's what Joe Cross said to us. He said, The doctors may or may not know about nutrition, but sometimes they do and they don't believe that the patient is going to take the advice. So they're told to prescribe pills.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess I already knew. I kind of, well, I you guess. knew the answer. I you knew the wanted, answer. Yeah. <laughs> doctors don't know about nutrition. They're not educated in nutrition. They get, I think Allison and I probably have more nutrition education just by reading. than and most, interviewing mo- people. And interviewing people than most doctors do from their med school training. So oh,
0: absolutely. That's true.
1: Yeah. yeah. No doubt. But there's a flip side to that, too. But here's the thing. Think about how often, like, the average person goes to the doctor. They might see their doctor, what, twice a year? And in that two times a year, they're probably in his, like, office, like, not the waiting room, but in the office, maybe, maybe seven minutes. And out of those seven minutes, they're actually, you know, having a conversation for about four. So eight minutes a year, the average American talks to a doctor. Uh, And you can blame that on the doctor, but the doctor is trying to get patients through there as fast as he can. No,
2: it's the healthcare system.
1: But – The thing is, for me, it was totally my fault, because what I would do, anything that's wrong with me, it's my doctor's fault. And that's his job. But when you think about how stupid that is, eight Mm, minutes a year, and I'm going to blame him for my blood pressure, and I can't sit down, I can find anything I want out on Google about any sports team, anything I was interested in, but I can't find out what makes my blood pressure high. You know, That's ridiculous. It's an excuse. We need to be proactive in our health and every single person should be responsible for their own health like they shouldn't put it on the doctor the doctors they have their purpose but these chronic diseases that most of them stem from inflammation that's you know we can find out what foods cause that but the bottom line is this people need to get you know their doctors off these pedestals and realize that health is your responsibility not your doctors
0: absolutely could not agree more, Tim. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It really is a testament of the amazing ability of the body to heal itself if given the tools that it needs to. Um, can you leave us with a tweetable?
1: Eat plants and move your body. All you got to do is a little more than you did yesterday.
0: It's Beautiful. So tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. Tweet it to Tim at Fat Man Rants. Use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast so we can see your posts. And Tim, tell everyone where they can find you online, how they can consult with you. It's shameless self-promotion time.
1: I have a Facebook page that was actually just a way um, I would get a lot of eye rolls when I posted all my food and stuff. Um, so I made, uh, I had like 300 friends on Facebook so I wanted to protect them from all my plant-based stuff. So that's FatManRants.com on Facebook. Instagram, I post all my food like almost every night. I'll put a picture of what I eat. I've been changing my Instagram posts. that are actually the recipes that, is, that will be in the book eventually. My goal is like super fast, cheap, easy, plant-based, whole food, like two, three, four ingredients, just stuff that people don't think of. And I'm going to put them all in a book and then give credit to whoever gives me, emails me the recipes just trying to get that out there. So Instagram, Fatman Rants. And then my blog is uh, FatManRants.com.
0: Well, I can't wait for the memoir and the recipe book. They both sound really amazing and transformative. And your story is just so incredible. And I feel like we didn't even get into everything into your bio. So you'll have to come back when you've got that book ready to promote and we'll help you promote it. Thank you so much for being here. Tim. Thank you, Tim.
2: Thank you for sharing your story
1: yeah thanks for having me thank you guys for what you do you guys do awesome work over there so cool
0: oh we try thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right you guys have a good night now